Hi there, friends. This is Pastor Rivero from Liberty Baptist Church, and I'm excited to let you know that our church is now live streaming our services. So you can check it out on mylibertybaptist.org or on YouTube. Our services are at 11 a.m. on Sunday, 5 p.m. on Sunday, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday, all Eastern time. But in the meantime, enjoy this sermon podcast here from Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. And I invite you to turn your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 5 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there's the, a Bible at the end of each row, and you are certainly more than welcome to use that. There is no charge for that this morning. Most weeks, it's $9.95. But on Friends and Family Sunday, you could... No, I'm just kidding. I'll make sure you're paying attention. That's good. That's a start. That's good. No, of course, we're certainly glad to be able to provide you a copy of the Word of God. And, and by the way, if you don't have one in your home, take it home with you. We'll get another one. We want everyone here to have a copy of the Word of God. <laughs> And certainly we would be blessed to be able to have you do that. Well, we are thrilled to give out gifts today, although I don't say that I was very successful at giving out a bunch of gifts today. We were able to give out one, uh, but uh, we had Hilliard's chocolates back there, which uh, if you understand anything about Hilliard's chocolates, we did have to take out a small business loan to be able to get that out to you today. Uh, but uh, no, it's not there. We like Hilliard's and I only say that because my daughter works there, but uh, Hilliard's is great and we uh, appreciate having the kind of a local gift, something that is from Easton. But uh the greatest gift one could have isn't a coin. The greatest gift one could have is not a candy bar. I, I think you're in the right place this morning to be able to understand, to know what the greatest gift anyone could receive could be. In fact, we just heard about it just a few moments ago, didn't we? That's why it says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That salvation that we are able to have today has been secured through none other than Jesus Christ. And I know I'm in the right place this morning to be able to say that to you and that many of you are of the understanding that we have salvation secured for us, that we're able to be saved because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And you know, there's many ways we can describe Jesus Christ as our Savior. In fact, if I was just to take the morning, if I was just to take the message and just use adjectives to be able to describe our Savior, I wouldn't have enough time to be able to describe how wonderful He is. Think about some of the ways we could describe Him. He's loving. He's gracious. He's humble. He's holy. He's forgiving. He's truthful. And on and on and on we can go. And really, that just touches the hem of the garment of who Jesus Christ is as our Savior. But yet it's that very idea of the hem of the garment that brings me to one of the most blessed adjectives that I don't think we often think about as we try to describe Jesus Christ as our Savior. But perhaps it is one of the greatest ways we can describe Him. And that's this. He is the virtuous Savior the virtuous Savior. And although that may not roll off the tongue as quickly as loving or forgiving or even holy, may I tell you, I am glad today he's a virtuous Savior. 
And we all should be glad today that He is a virtuous Savior. And by the way, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, if you don't have full assurance that when you pass from this life that you would go to heaven for all eternity, I really invite you to listen very carefully to this message this morning because you can leave this building today confident in your salvation through Jesus Christ, not because of me or my presentation, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross as our virtuous Savior. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning? We're in Mark chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 25. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse number 25. It says this, uh, it says, A certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. And she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing, and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. There was a woman who had a great need. Well, she had two great needs. The one that was first presented was an issue of blood that she had lived with for 12 years. But I would submit to you, her greatest need was her need for cleansing of the sin that she was carrying. You say, well, that's very presumptuous of you to say about this woman. Well, it's something that we all have to deal with. And it's something that only Jesus Christ can heal. You may be seated as we have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would be with us today. I pray that you would just... Allow hearts to be open and soft to your word. For those who are saved, I pray this message will be a message of rejoicing, but also of encouragement. For those who do not know you as Savior, I pray that today your Holy Spirit will be working in such a way that they will be convinced of their great need before they leave and call upon you to be saved. Thank you for this time, and thank you again for our visitors, our guests, friends and family, returning visitors, and all who are here in this wonderful crowd today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if it feels like when we started reading at verse number 25 that we were right in the middle of a story that was taking place, that's because, well, that's exactly what happened. That if you were to go back a few verses, you'll find that Jesus is met by a man named Jairus. And Jairus has a daughter who's very sick. And Jairus asks if Jesus will go to his house to be able to heal 
his daughter's infirmity, this young girl. And Jesus readily agrees and he goes with him to Jairus' house. But as it is at this point in Jesus' ministry that everybody wants to see him. Everybody wants to hear him. People want to see the miracles. People want to just be around Jesus at this point in a way that maybe wouldn't be said of his ministry later on in his life. I mean, after all, we're in Mark chapter number five. We're still very early in his three-year ministry. But so Jesus is going, and as he's going to Jairus' house, there's a what the Bible calls a press that's coming around him. There's just a large group of people that are gathering around. And of course, this isn't a parade route. There is no, nobody telling people to stand on the sides of the road. There is no types of authority that's there. There's no police force or anything like that. So if the crowd wants to gather, well, the crowd's going to gather. The crowd's not going to disperse at this point. And of course, this is a life or death situation. There's a young girl whose life is in the balance. And it's kind of like trying to get an ambulance through Times Square on New Year's Eve. It's not something that I would suggest because there's so many people there. There's such a crowd that really nobody wants to move. And so this is the way that Jesus is trying to travel through this crowd. But in the midst of this chaotic scene, we find in verse number 25, a singular woman. In the midst of all of the hustle and all of the bustle and even all the life-saving needs that are taking place during this time, there's one woman that the Bible focuses on. And one woman that I believe we need to look at this morning as we look at our virtuous Savior. And so first of all, number one, I want us to see this this morning. I see a woman's unanswerable problem. Number one, I see her unanswerable problem. Verses number 25 and 26 tell of what her need is. We see, first of all, that she had an issue of blood. And can we just put it this way, that she was hemorrhaging blood. We don't know to what extent. We don't know to what place or any of those things do we know this morning. Of course, we can try to take guesses or we can try to surmise. But here's what we know, that she had an issue in her blood where she had a wound that would not clot itself, that would not stop. And this bleeding took place for over 12 years. I mean, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a medical professional to know this is someone that's in a pretty bad way. This is someone who is in a very, very difficult and dire situation. You say, well, pastor, didn't they have doctors back then? Didn't they have physicians? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because our text says that she had been trying to get the help of doctors. She'd been trying to get the help of physicians for some time. But did you notice what it said in verse number 26? Look at it again. It said, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. It doesn't sound much different than today, does it? In a lot of ways. Uh, now I'll say well, I'm thankful for good medical professionals. In fact, we have some of them in our church, but I will say that not every medical professional is good. And not every medical professional is looking out for the patient or looking out for the needs of those like those who I know. And it says that here, this woman is being treated by just those type of men. And it says that she suffered. But you notice what her suffering is connected to? Her suffering is actually not connected to her issue of blood, although certainly it was causing trouble. It says she had suffered many things of many physicians. Because as much as she was suffering in her body... The real cause of suffering, I believe, even greater than that, was those who kept saying, I can help, but would not help. Or say, if you only give me this amount of money, I can promise you, you'll be healed. And the Bible says that she suffered, 
and she was spent. And I think that's a good way to be able to describe this woman. She was suffering and she hadn't just spent her money. We could maybe say maybe deep down in her soul, she was spent because she was trying to find answers and there were none that were available. Again, I'm not saying every medical professional is in it for the money. Certainly that's not the case, but I would look at this woman and her situation. I would say this, I don't say those doctors are quacks, but if it walks like a duck, then you know the rest of it, don't you? That these were men that were not looking out for her best interests, but were looking out for their own. She had a need and she had an unanswerable solution. But I mentioned earlier that her greatest need really wasn't this issue of blood. Her greatest need was something that is much deeper because she had an issue with something else and that's with sin. Say, Pastor, what did she do? Was she like that woman at the well? Uh, she was pretty bad, wasn't she? Pastor, was she like Mary Magdalene who had seven devils within her? Oh, she was pretty bad. What was her sin? What did she do? Well, could I tell you her issue with sin was this. She was a person. And the Bible says that all of us have to deal with the issue of sin. By the way, I'm looking at people here today who are in a similar situation to this woman. But you say, Pastor, I, I feel just fine. Pastor, I, I don't need to go to the doctor. Pastor, I have a medical team that's been very good to me. No, no, I'm not trying to relate your physical condition to this woman's this morning. I would say our spiritual condition has been the same as this woman's was at some point in our own lives where each of us have been plagued with a different type of plague, and that's the plague of sin. When a soul is sick today, they go to different doctors and spend a great deal of time or money only to suffer many things of many physicians. And no, no, I didn't say physically. I said when a soul is sick. Now the Bible has, or the, the, the world rather, has many types of answers for the sin-sick soul today, doesn't it? For some, it's just, I'll ignore the issue. I'll ignore the issue of heaven. I'll ignore the issue of hell. I'll ignore the issue of my mortality. I, I just won't think about it. And that works real well, doesn't it? I, we were just driving yesterday making visits and there was one road that we're on. You know what I love about New England in the fall and the winter is you get to see so many things that you can't see in the summer. Like, oh, look in the woods. Oh, there's couches back there for some odd reason. To do. I didn't see those during the summer, but out there in the winter, oh, there it is. All right. So you get this beautiful new view that you never saw during the summer. And we were driving down this road making a visit and we could see that uh, this road and the houses that were there were up against a cemetery. And could you imagine having a home that, you know, you have a chain link fence and then on the other side is the cemetery. Well, as we were driving and it was funny that, that I saw this and it just kind of kind of hit me as I, I could see into the backyards of these uh, of these homes. And there was one house that on the chain link fence had some of that fake grass. Have you ever seen that before? It almost kind of looks like a hedge and you can hang it on a fence and try to beautify it. And I just I, I kind of laughed because there's this chain link fence that's there. And then right behind their house, there was this little bit of grass covering up the cemetery and then you go a little bit further and you can see the cemetery again so even if they were looking out their back window all they had to do was go a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right and the cemetery is still there and you know I thought about that and I realized a lot of people deal with their mortality in the same way don't they they try to wallpaper over it put something thin in between them and the cemetery and try to pretend like it's not even there when all along, we know really deep down in our hearts, 
We know what's behind that wall. We know what's there. We know there's an eternity. We, we know that there's something else beside this life. And so the world has so many different answers for the sin-sick soul, whether it's just to simply ignore it. Some go to the doctor of entertainment. Well, if I simply laugh it away, if I simply keep myself busy, perhaps I don't have to think about these types of things. But could I tell you that doctor entertainment won't bring healing? Some may pay a visit to doctor success, but he's no help in the long run. Just ask the A-list celebrities. Ask the Hall of Famers. Ask those who sit in the C-suites in Fortune 500 companies. And they would tell you this, that Dr. Success doesn't have the answer for a sin-sick soul. Nothing can bring a real cure. By the way, not Dr. Religion, not Dr. Pleasure, not Dr. Self-Help, not even Dr. Pepper. None of them have the answer. There's only one who brings the healing balm for a sin-sick soul, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the one. He is the answer to this unanswerable problem. And here's this woman who has suffered much and is spent, and she doesn't know where to go. But that brings us to number two this morning, which is this. We see the Savior's unending virtue. Remember I said that one of the great adjectives, one of the great explainers of our Savior was his virtue? Well, we see that here in our text. It says that this woman was trying to get close to Jesus. And her mind was this, if I can get through the press, if I can get through the crowd, I probably won't even get to be face to face with him. I probably won't even get to speak to him. But here's what I'd like to do. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. Now that particular phrase isn't actually found in our text here in Mark, but it is found in a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 9. That she says this, if I could just touch the very bottom part of his robe, I know that I'll be healed. Now there's several problems with this. One, we don't have up to this point in the scriptures an indication of someone who has been healed in this particular way. So she has just really kind of going out on a limb, hoping and believing that this will be the case. There's some other problems. Well, there's the difficulty of the crowd. The people were thronging him. They, he was on his way to heal uh, Jairus' daughter, and, and they were following along. They were wanting to see what was going to happen. And this woman was of no consequence to them. They probably hadn't even thought of her or wanted anything to do with her. And so how was she going to be able to get through the press? And maybe even the most difficult of all was this. Because she had an issue of blood, because she was perpetually dealing with uh, this wound that would not heal itself, she got to the point where she would have been, according to the laws of Moses, ceremonially unclean. She would not have been able to worship in the temple because she would have been perpetually unclean because of this open wound that would not heal itself. Not only that, according to the laws of Moses, if she had touched someone else, while she had that issue of blood, they would have been ceremoniously unclean for a time as well. So there's a lot of different reasons why, can we put it this way? This isn't a good idea. But this is the one mindset that she had. I just got to get to Jesus and everything else will make sense. I just got to get to Jesus and everything else will make sense. Now, this poor woman had spent 12 years going to the different doctors when the only doctor who really could help her 
is Jesus Christ. And it wouldn't have been better if 12 years ago she could have visited Jesus Christ and she could have been healed, but he wasn't in his earthly ministry at that point while he was, still was living uh, on this earth. But at the same time, I can tell you that I've met many people over the years who tried everything else before they actually came to Jesus Christ, their Savior. And maybe you are in that place this morning and you say, well, I've tried Dr. Entertainment, and I've tried Dr. Self-Help, and I've tried Dr. Dr. Success, and none of them have healed me, but I'm tired of trying, and I'm tired of, well, listen, I'm not asking you to try Jesus Christ like you would try a new toothpaste or you'd try a new pair of pants. No, I'm asking you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, which is something completely different because this woman came to him by faith, and it was that faith which Jesus Christ would say would be what healed her. She realized, I have to do this. Like the old AT&T commercial said, I need to reach out and touch him. I just need to reach out and touch him by faith. And just as she was unclean, you and I are also unclean because of our sin. I mentioned that sin problem that we have. Ezekiel 18.4 puts it very succinctly when it says this, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Doesn't get much more succinct than that, does it? The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And I'm not just talking about the fact that one would die and their soul would be annihilated and they would just be no more, but after death there is, well, life and eternity in heaven or there is also a very real hell that Christ sends no one to, but rather that those who do not choose to accept Jesus Christ actually choose which Jesus talks about in John chapter 3. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He had this, this unending uh, uh, virtue that was there. And you say, well, pastor, I, I don't really see uh, any of that here. You, you make some points here, but I don't see anything about this virtue. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that. Look at verse number uh, 28. It says, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now, a couple things about this. Before we get to the virtue, you see that word virtue there in verse number 30. Jesus asked the question, who touched my clothes? Anytime we see Jesus, anytime we see the Father in the Word of God asking a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He asks the question because he wants the other people to respond, and then maybe that they will be illuminated by the responses that they give. You ever really had trouble articulating something, and then you just kind of tried it, and you said it out loud, and you're like, oh, actually, now that I've said it out loud, that wasn't such a good thing to say after all. Well, that's exactly what happened here. Uh, they, Jesus says, who touched me? And of course, the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody touched you. You're in the middle of a crowd. It would be like going to Times Square on New Year's Eve where they say there's about a million people, a million people to watch a ball drop. And it doesn't even drop. It goes down like at, at like a foot a second. You ever seen it? I mean, if they at least dropped it and like, you know, dropped some crystal ball from 2,000 uh, you know, feet up or something, I'd watch that. But no, it just kind of slowly goes down. And people, a million, and being around that issue, I don't know why I'm so upset about that, but I just thought I'd get off of my chest. But it has nothing to do with my message. But, but if you would be around all those people and you say, who touched me? The answer would be everybody. You're in a crowd. But Jesus, the Bible says, knowing virtue had gone out of him, asked this particular question. And that word virtue, going back to virtue, 
He asked that question particularly because he wanted to draw this woman out. But he asked the, he, he has this virtue go out from him. And if you were to translate the word uh, virtue here into the Greek, it is the word dunamis. Now it's interesting because we talk about that word a lot. It's found a lot in the New Testament and it's typically translated as the word power. And there are some modern translations that actually use the word power here instead of the word virtue. But I think, and I believe that the word virtue is the perfect word for what emanates from Jesus when this woman is healed of her disease. Now, why is that? Because power in and of itself can be very good, but power in and of itself can be pretty bad too. It's morally ambiguous, could we put it that way? I think of Alfred Nobel who invented dynamite and he never dreamed in his mind that dynamite would be used for warfare or anything of that nature. And by the way, one of the reasons that he bequeathed much of his wealth to form the Nobel Peace Prize was because of how distraught he was about the fact that he had brought in many ways such suffering to the world unintentionally through his invention of dynamite. By the way, that word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite today. And so power can be good or be bad. But that word virtue there is so good because it's a reminder that the power that was coming from Jesus Christ at that very moment, that raw power was, was moral excellence. It was righteousness. It was uprightness. There was not one negative thing about the power that came from him in that moment. It was virtue that flowed from him because everything within him is virtuous. Everything within him is righteous. Everything within him is moral excellence. And so when this woman touches him, this power comes out from him. By the way, he wasn't diminished by having that power taken away from him, which is an amazing thought in and of itself. You know what's going to happen to, to Pastor Rivero at the end of the day after having uh, Sunday morning service and going to the kids' sport kid fun, kids, purgatory, whatever it is after church. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. Uh, you, you, know, you know what's going to happen? And then I come back and we have church Sunday night. Don't, look, don't feel bad for me unless you want to feel bad for me. No, don't feel bad for me. You know what? I'm going to be tired. Some of you are saying, I'm getting tired of this right now, Pastor, the more I think about it. No, I'm going to get tired. You know why you get tired and I get tired? Because we have this energy that leaves us that takes a while to replenish. But yet Jesus Christ, when that virtue came out from him, was not diminished one bit. But yet he understood that this flowed out from him. And so he asked the question to bring this woman to him. And our Savior is not just a powerful Savior, but he is a Savior that is so powerful and so morally excellent and is so uh, uh, holy in every conceivable way that when that power flows out from him, good comes from it. And only good comes from it. Like what? Well, this woman was healed. Physically and spiritually. And see, that's the final point this morning. We see, number one, the woman's unanswerable problem. We see the Savior's unending virtue. But you know, when an unanswerable problem comes in contact with his unending virtue, you know what happens? Something that man can't explain. See, unanswerable problems don't have answers. These were the insights that you came to Liberty Baptist for today, all right? Unanswerable problems don't have answers. 
unless the virtuous Savior is part of the equation. And when there is no way, there is a way. When there is no salvation, there is salvation because of his virtue. So number three, we see the gospel's universal call. The gospel's universal call. What I love about Jesus here in this text is his compassion and his virtue are on full display. Who touched me? Could you imagine this woman? The fear that struck her heart in that moment? Could you imagine how great she thought this idea was until she realized not only did it work, but now he wants to know who touched him and I'm ceremoniously unclean. I'm going to be found in front of these people. I'm going to be exposed in front of these people. She was probably ready to be humiliated. She was probably ready to be called out in front of all of her neighbors who likely had ostracized her for the last 12 years. But that's not what Jesus does. Do you see what it says in verse number 34? It says, and he said unto her, daughter. Now, from my study, I, I have, my understanding is this is the only time Jesus called a woman daughter. And I would just say to you that that is an expression of endearment and love for her. Why? Because I imagine her heart was just going about a thousand beats a minute. Not just because of what had just happened to her, but because the one who healed her now wants to talk to her. And he says, daughter. Say, why did he call her out? Well, a couple reasons. One, I believe because of the very practical reason of he wanted her to know that what happened was not mere coincidence. You know, sometimes we have God do certain things in our life and maybe we try to convince ourselves in a lack of faith that it's just a coincidence that, you know, God put the exact amount of money into our hand that we needed at just the right time. Or maybe it's just a coincidence that people have been praying for someone to get healed and it just so happened that person got healed in just the way that people prayed for. And we try to convince ourselves of some kind of coincidence. In fact, sometimes jokingly at Liberty Baptist Church, we call our prayer list the coincidence list because it just seems like it's full of all these coincidences of answers of prayer that God brings into people's lives. But we know it's not a coincidence. We know it's the Lord. But I believe, practically speaking, he wanted to make sure that it knew that it wasn't a coincidence. But he also wanted her to know this. There's another healing that you've received. And look at what it says. It says in verse number 33, but the woman fearing and trembling, look, it says it right there, knowing what was done in her. And, and I believe that some of that fearing and trembling was she knew she came in contact with raw, virtuous power, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. By the way, you want to get things right with the Lord, just go and confess. Confess before him. That'll, that'll solve a lot of problems right there, just being truthful with your Savior. I, I don't want to scare anybody, but he knows the truth anyway. Isn't it funny the kind of things we try to hide from the Lord who knows it all anyway? And so he wants, he wants to be, you know why? He wants us to be up, uh, honest with them because that shows and exposes our heart, that it's our right heart before him. But look at what it says in verse number 34. And he said unto her daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I believe it's talking about both the physical healing that she had as well as the spiritual healing that took place there as well. You say, well, pastor, what you're saying is that as long as I have faith, 
that I will be whole. So as long as I have faith that I'm going to get to heaven someday, or as long as I have faith in something that's higher than me, as long as I have faith in, in something that's bigger than me, then I will be fine in the hereafter. And the answer to that is absolutely not. Her faith had made her whole, but it was because of who she had put that faith in that had made her whole. It was not just the fact that she had faith. It was who she put that faith in that made her whole. You know, you can put your faith in the sacraments, and they can't save you. You can put your faith in good works, and they cannot save you. You can put your faith in being a righteous and moral person, and it cannot save you. You can put your faith, watch this, in having your name on a church roll, and it can't save you. And by the way, that's whether it's Catholic, Episcopalian, Lutheran, or Baptist. You say, aren't you a Baptist? I am, and I'm glad to be, and I believe the Bible makes me a Baptist. But I'm not saved because I'm a Baptist. I'm saved because of what Jesus Christ did in my life, because I was able to put my faith and trust wholly in Him. Those other entities, those other issues, those other things cannot save a soul and have never saved a soul. It's not just about having faith in something that's greater than you. It's what you put your faith in that makes all the difference. I could go out after church today and say, you know, I'm going to take the one o'clock bus so that I can get home. I don't want to go to this kid's sport place. I'm, I'm going home. I'm going to take the bus because I don't have a way home and I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to take the bus and I'll get out of here. And, you know, I could stand out there at one o'clock. I could stand out there at two o'clock. I could stand out there tomorrow. I could stand out there until I'm, uh, I'm blue in the face. There's only one problem. I could be sincere about it. I could really hope that bus is going to come. There's only one problem. There's no bus that goes by. Again, deep stuff. But there's no bus line. Easton won't allow it. It goes about one quarter mile in Easton. It's like, that's enough. We've got to get out of here. And it goes back out again. And so I could stand out there sincerely believing that the bus is going to take me where I need to go. And I could be out there till the end of time. And it's not going to take me anywhere. In fact, I'm going to be worse off for having my faith misplaced. Could we maybe make an illustration here and an application to our own lives that it's not just about being a person of faith. It is all about where that faith is placed. And if you faith, place your faith in a person, if you place your faith in a theological structure, if you place your faith in a baptism or in a Eucharist, or if you place your faith in an offering, in an offering plate, or you place your faith on the fact that you're going to be a humanitarian, or you place your faith in any one of these things, may I say, no matter how sincere you are in those beliefs, according to the Word of God, it says that it's not by the works of righteousness, which we have done, but by His grace He saved us. And that you and I can know Jesus Christ as Savior today by what? Receiving the gift of salvation. You know, it, it's funny. This was, I have a different illustration, but I'm going to use this at the end of the, at the sermon anyway, because it just so happens that under this pulpit here, I have a few of these chocolate bars here. Why is that? Because I have a sweet tooth. No, I'm just kidding. I, I had some extra up here just in case for the kids or anything like that. I had a, I had a few up here. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, we have extended... We have extended the invitation for someone who has been a guest at Liberty Baptist Church today that we want to give a gift. We have several of these and a, a, a book we'd like to give you. We would like to give you this gift 
to be able to tell you how thankful we are to have you at Liberty Baptist Church today. But you know, I can't force anyone to take this. You know how I know? We just gave you a very graphic illustration a few minutes ago. I can't force someone to take this. Maybe you'd say, I'm a diabetic. I shouldn't have that. Maybe you would say, I'm allergic to chocolate. And if that's the case, we'll pray for you, okay? Maybe you would say this, I don't like Hilliard's chocolate. It's not my favorite. I would prefer not to have it. You may have one of 1,000 different reasons why you do not want this chocolate bar. But you know, this gift would not belong to you until you get to the place where you take it, where you receive it for yourself. Do you realize that Jesus Christ today, the virtuous Savior, is handing something out that is much more valuable than a candy bar? It's much more valuable than a book. It's much more valuable than anything that can be quantified here on this earth, anything that can be reckoned, anything that can be accounted for. Those nail-scarred hands that we just talked about is holding out the gift of salvation to everyone today, to all of you. You say, well, does he have enough power to do so? That virtuous power is enough that if everyone called upon him to save him at the exact same time, he would be able to do it and not be able to diminish himself one bit. That's how powerful he is. But what's incumbent upon you today, friend, is what's incumbent upon all of us, is that while that gift is being handed out, you must receive it. And that's when it becomes yours. See, receiving it's not the work. The work's been done. We went to the store. Well, my daughter went to the store. She works there. We paid the money. We wrapped them up. We got them ready. All you have to do is consent. This is what I want. Can I tell you, when it comes to salvation, it may be free, but as I've said before, the cost and price was very high. But Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And all you have to do today is to call upon that virtuous Savior and say this, I know I'm a sinner. I have a sin problem. Just like this woman had a problem that no one else could answer, I have a sin problem that only Jesus Christ can answer. And your unanswerable problem, when comes in contact with the unending virtue of the Savior, will bring you to the place that if you're willing to accept Jesus Christ, your Savior, He will save you today. You know why someone invited you to church today? You know why someone wants you to be here? You know why someone invited you many years ago to church for the very first time? Because someone wanted you to accept that gift. And today, I implore you, with everything that's in me, with everything that I am and everything that I want to be for my Lord and Savior, I beg you, do not spend an eternity in hell because of pride or stubbornness or because of any type of misplaced faith in any kind of institution or person or entity. There is only one who can save you, and that's Jesus Christ. And he desires to save you today. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org. Or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in his word.